Well, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to get there in just a second, but I've got to tell this story. Now, several weeks ago, one of our production leaders, Thomas Herndon, is breaking down service at, at the very end, and a gentleman walks up to him, and he's, he's got just a curious question for him. Like, like, we're guessing he's mid-20s, and he says, um, are we free to go to break for lunch now? And, and Thomas is like, yeah. And, and, and he says, okay, what time does the afternoon session start? <laughs> Thomas, uh, I, honestly, I don't know what you're talking about right now. And he said, well, um, I'm, I'm here for a, a, a conference on creativity and dreaming. And uh, supposedly there's an afternoon session. Thomas is going, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing going on this afternoon, but you went to church this morning, bro. And the guy looks and he goes, and he goes, no. I mean, the music was a little weird, but Thomas looks at him and says, welcome to National Community Church, creativity and dreaming, welcome. And so, hey, in that spirit, uh, welcome to part three of our four-week conference on dreaming. Uh, and hey, you can go ahead and take the afternoon off on us, all right? Uh, hey, I just wanted to give you a, a quick update. Pastor Joel, uh, a couple of weeks ago, talked about the Cubs, and he also talked about the Dream Center. Uh, excited about we're about T-minus a month, or give or take, uh, from it launching, seeing it in the last couple of days, seeing the bricks go up. And uh, hey, I, I was just meditating on this the other day and just thinking about how God had given us a dream, and we're seeing it become a reality in order to awaken dreams in other people. You know, you see how that kind of works? It's just, it's fun to see how kingdom sort of works in that way. He anoints us, and we really don't step into that anointing until we've been using that to bless and serve other people. Amen? And so uh, what, what we want to do is, uh, I just, Pastor Mark, next week is going to be giving you a little bit of an update on how much we've been raising, but just want to say thank you. Several hundred of you have already been giving uh, towards meeting that final goal. Uh, financially to make it, and so encourage you to consider be a part of that. Also, uh, just wanted to announce that our Mountains Move album is releasing this weekend, our NCC worship team. Yeah, you can give it up for that. That's all right. I think it's on iTunes that you can go ahead and check it out. I, I got it this morning, and uh, also that you'll be able to pick this up, uh, and, and it goes towards the Dream Center, which is awesome. Now, this series that we're in is actually a recurring series. We've been doing it almost every year, really past when I've ever been there, but um, it, it, it just continues to go on, and, and there, there's a reason for it. It's not just because we run out of ideas at the end of November, and we wanna talk about this. No, God blesses in proportion to how we serve the poor, the poor, the vulnerable, the brokenhearted, the wounded, the widow, the orphan. He blesses in proportion to how we serve the poor in our city and give to missions. We're A1A, we're on mission every day, and so I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and check out Matthew chapter 22. Now, Jesus is being tested. The Pharisees and scribes come to him, they say, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And what does he say? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. 
And then what does he say? And he says, the second of, listen to this, of equal, say equal, of equal importance is to love your neighbor as yourself. So if I'm reading this correctly, the greatest commandment is to love God, but also the other greatest commandment is to love one another. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, so let me, let me, how about I try it this way. One translation says, we're called to love those who are least like us. So let, let me, so, so maybe what you're telling me is, um, love God and of equal importance is to love my Muslim neighbor? Yeah. Well, how about I love you and how about I love people that I'm comfortable with and how about I tolerate those that just drive me crazy? No. How about the, the people that just really, fr- I mean, there's a lot of people that frustrate me right now. How, what about, that's not what it says. What about just allowing me to be very comfortable in this particular region because that, that's, that's kind of what I like. Yeah. And now that's, that's interesting to me because I, I was thinking about that and that has actually been very poisonous in our faith in and out for thousands of years. It actually goes back to the Old Testament. And, and, and what you have is there's these gods and goddesses and what you would have to do is you have to appease them. Now, they don't really care about you, but you would have to appease them. You would have to sacrifice them. Otherwise, the rain wouldn't fall down on your crops and you wouldn't be able to raise your food to be able to uh, provide for your family and survive. And so what would happen is, is you would have to do whatever you had to, to love God or to honor God. But ever so subtly, what would happen is, is loving God became more important than loving your neighbor. And so Jesus is saying, love, love God and of equal importance is to love your neighbor. Not love God, this is primary, and love your neighbor as secondary. You see, what's interesting is, is when we actually begin to understand the love of God that he has given us, the byproduct and the, and the response to that is how we love those that we like the least. And so, you know, I, sometimes at, at Lincoln, at our Lincoln campus, I'll say this, that uh, we're called to uh, talk about what Jesus is for and not what religion is against. And everyone's like, yeah, it's awesome. There, I'm with you. But you know, there's actually things that really get Jesus riled up. He gets really, really riled up when religion gets in the way of loving people. How, let me put it this way. Jesus gets really riled up when religion cares more about God than what God cares about. Or what about this? Religion that prioritizes God more than what God prior, what he prioritizes. Or what about, I mean, we've, we've all done this before. Religion that honors God but dishonors those that he honors. That's not the way of Jesus. And show me, let me show you, let me show you how that plays itself out. 
Now, I, I saw this. You ever get like, you, you open up scripture and you find something, you're just like, oh my gosh. That was incredible. Okay, John chapter 2. I want to just show you just a quick example of the way that plays itself out. And then we're going to get really practical and just find out what's happening today. John chapter 2. Now, Pastor Mark loves to talk about this. Jesus cleanses the temple. But he, he talks about Jesus having a temple tantrum. All right, Jesus is going to get angry, angry at Jesus. We don't like to talk about this, but l- listen to this. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple and he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons. Say pigeons. And the money changers sitting there. Making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins and the money changers and overturned the tables. And he told those, listen to this, and he told those who sold pigeons, take these away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now, what does pigeons have to do with any of this? In the Old Testament, sacrifices to God were based on our economic, their economic income. And so the poorest of the poor that were unable to give just about anything, the commandment is to give a pigeon. What Jesus is, is angry about is the poor are being exploited. What Jesus is angry about is the money changers are trying to honor God. They're, doing every, they, they're trying to love God. They're trying to give everything they can to God. But what they're doing is they're actually dishonoring what God actually honors. So I wonder what we could do today is just be honest. If we could be really humble and just ask a bold question. In what way have we submitted to Christian culture that's actually not a reflection of the ways of Jesus? Because there's a difference sometimes, isn't there? Now let me bring it home to today. Uh, There's a statistic that I heard a while back that really grieved me said that 73% of Americans, according to the Barna Group, are uncomfortable or avoid conversations with Muslims. 87% of Christians, the highest subgroup of all groups, 87% of Christians avoid or are uncomfortable with Muslims. So what you're telling me is we're avoiding or uncomfortable with the very people that Jesus has called us to love the most. Right. We need to do some, a little bit of surgery here. We need to be able to ask some of these questions. And so that's why I'm just so grateful for you, Pastor Rob and Nicole and, and our Gainesville team. Last week you announced to, to your campus that you're gonna be stepping out and you're gonna be building bridges and relationships with Muslim community, you're going to be, uh, begin to adopt and care for refugee families. Amen. Did you know that you can care for a refugee family here? We dream of a day where every refugee, every family seeking refuge in the D.C. area has been cared for. And so it, it was a few months ago, my wife was doing a, a soccer camp uh, for children that were 
seeking refuge families. And she goes to the camp, and towards the end of the week, she invites me to go and be a part of it. And so I go, and I show up. This is in Maryland. And as I walk in, there's hundreds of refugee families in this area, and I'm just blown away. And we walk in, and we start just meeting different people. And as I'm walking down, I just see a guy sitting by himself and I just keep going, not really thinking anything about it. And then I, I come back and I just felt like I just needed to say hi to this guy. And I go and, and, and sit down and we just begin to talk. He didn't speak any English and we're just kind of going back and forth. And, and I have like 47 cups of tea with him. And, uh, and we just start to get to know each other. And, and I tell my wife about it. She says, we just got to go back. Let's just Let's just connect with his family. And, and long story short, uh, his family's from Syria, and his son was 16 years old, and he was the perfect age for um, recruitment by ISIS. And so they came around to the village looking for him. He had caught wind of that, and so he digs a nine-foot hole, and he buries his son alive for nine hours in order to save him. And then after that, he watches his neighbors get gunned down. And so he takes his family, who's an electrician, run, runs off to Jordan, ends up finding himself here. And we just begin building, relate. We've, we, a bunch of NCCers just start rallying around them, start connecting with him. We, we, I take him out. We go for like two hours. I'm tr teaching him how to drive because he wants to get his license. And I get to the end of teaching him how to drive after two hours, and my conclusion was is he's not ready to get a license. <laughs> and then the next day, he texts me a picture of his license. <laughs> Maryland, right? One of my favorite moments was the 20-year anniversary. Anybody a part of that? Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. My favorite moment was this family had been invited to come and just be a part of the celebration. They knew so many NCCers. It was awesome. And so we just set up like sort of this place of honor. And during the last song, we sang a song called Revive. And we get to the end of this, this song, and it's uh, We Repent of our selfish ways, and, and I, as I begin to hear this song, I just am moved, and I fall to my knees, and I just start bawling. And it wasn't a pretty cry. I mean, it was just a really ugly, just weeping. And as I'm doing that, I feel somebody next to me get on their knees. And it was the father. And he puts his arm around me. And he starts just rubbing my back and he starts bawling with me. So you're telling me a Muslim man and a Christian are on their knees bawling at a 20 year anniversary with laser lights? See, we try to put Jesus in all of these boxes, and he's always bigger than those boxes. So I think we should probably stop trying to protect those boxes. Now, I'm also very, very, very conscious today, just as I was praying this week, of just how raw everybody is. 
Does anybody love culture wars? If you raised your hand, you're sick, all right? You're just sick. Nobody loves a culture war, nobody. And we have this sort of complex cocktail of, of race and sexuality and economics and political ideology, and it's just sort of this really nasty sludge right now. And it's just, it's just heavy. For, for some of us, it's, it's kind of like this, this political side. It's, it's very practically, some of us are just losing our jobs. Others of us are just really, really frustrated, or others are really, really excited, and you feel this tension. For some, it's sort of economic. You just see that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, and you're just asking yourself, what's going on? For others, I, I was at Harris Teeter, and um, I'm, I'm in the line, and you know you have to like, see the Gossip Magazine. You're trying not to, but you see them. And, and I noticed something. I noticed that um, the, the celebrity that was going to the latest gala and what they were wearing, that outfit, that font size was larger than the font of thousands of refugees fleeing. It's as if our culture has lost its ability to sort of weigh and discern what's important. Are you with me? Yeah. And so what happens is, is we submit to the way in which we culturally engage. Now, how many can just agree that it's not working? And so what oftentimes happens, this is what we see, is, is two different options. This is what culture gives you. Number one, you fight. You get in the ring, you yell and scream as loud as you can, you throw some stones. Well, sometimes we speak truth in love, but really what it is is it's oftentimes we speak truth in fear packaged in love. Or the other option is just run for the hills. Like, get out of it. I don't, I just totally disengage. And so you're given two options, fight or flight in our culture. And what, what I would tell you is that's not the way of Jesus. And so the way of Jesus, if, if I could just kind of give you a picture, is, is two things that I would just encourage you with today is we're thinking about loving our neighbor and loving those that are least like us and being commissioned to be on mission wherever we are. Number one is Proximity. And number two is empathy. Now, I, uh, my wife and I live with Joel Buckner. Joel is one of our worship leaders and is just an incredible guy. I just love the guy to death. He's got an incredible voice, doesn't he? Yeah. Amazing voice. And there's nothing better than in the morning, your wife and I waking up to his alarm clock, him singing in the shower. I mean, oh my goodness, it's amazing. And, uh, but, but we just, we love it. We love hanging out with him and, and he's got such just an incredible heart. But what I've found is that in relationship, we've, we've begun to ask questions that perhaps we've always been uncomfortable to ask. Because what we find is, is what you misunderstand, we fear. Yeah. And what we fear, we tend to judge. And so we we've begun to feel comfortable to ask questions, questions that I've always been uncomfortable to ask. And, and, and all I have to tell you is your tone shifts. When you hear stories like Joel telling you in, in his 20s, he was pulled over, a bunch of his friends, 
No idea why, thrown to the ground. A couple of his friends are handcuffed. And he hears over the dispatch, why are you handcuffing these guys? They don't match the description. That softens you. Or Pastor Joshua Simonette, just a brother of mine, he calls me white chocolate. And I think that's a compliment, I don't know. But when he tells you that when he drives around and, and he gets pulled over and he instantly, like a, a trigger reaction, puts his hand on 10 and 2 and it has his wallet out and his ID out because he's afraid. Now we can argue that all we want, but when we're in proximity with one another and we're in, it, it develops an opportunity for empathy. And so when an unarmed black man is shot, and killed, we have to understand that there are those that feel like it's a lynching. Now, of course, we don't demonize. On the other side, I've sat with a number of NCCers that are policemen, and I've sat with them as they've cried, and they've wept, and they've felt pain and difficulty because they're trying to do the best that they can. And so, that's not what we do. We don't fight. We don't flight. We step into proximity and we step into empathy. And that positions us to be able to love better. Are you with me? Okay. Question maybe that I would ask you is, in what ways are you uncomfortable? In what ways do people make you uncomfortable? Because here's what I've often found, is God hides himself the things that we want most are oftentimes hidden in the things that we most despise. And what that does is that prevents those from the, that, that are overcautious from encountering the hidden treasures of God's love for us. So let's talk about it. If you walked in, you received a booklet today, and go ahead and pull that out. Come on, I want to see everybody at all of our locations do it. I'm going to pretend like I can see everybody pulling it out. I want to talk about a dream that we have as we step into being on mission to love God and equally love our neighbor. Now, A18 Missions, you know it, is to be on mission every day. We're people empowered by the Spirit doing what Jesus did together wherever we are. And so I just want to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about lo local engagement. Um, Potomac Yard, I'm just so grateful for you. As you guys walk in, as you guys have just continued to do amazing things, it's unbelievable the dreams that you have as a campus to go into Chiralagua and to begin a library for the Latino community in order to honor them. Well, let's just talk about a couple of ways you can gauge. Number one, you can foster care. You can babysit for those that are fostering. We dream of a day where there are headlines in Virginia and D.C. D.C. churches reverse the list. So there are more people waiting to receive children than those that are on the list. You know that you can serve in local schools. Pastor Terrence, I uh, just love you so much, brother, and, and what you're doing at Echo Stage is just in incredible. Um, but schools are just... It, it, you have such a heart for Children's Guild. 
And so there's this amazing story. You, you began to just show up at Children's Guild, and I heard uh, Tracy, who's the vice principal, say this. She said, we could not do what we do without the church. And so you said, we're just going to open up our space. So at Ebenezer's this year, they had their seventh and eighth grade prom. I think we have a photo of that. A lot of hand checking, all right? A lot of hand checking. And then they wanted to make it extra special for the graduation. So we had a graduation right here at the Miracle Theater. Pastor Joshua was the keynote speaker. Amazing to step in and be a part of the dream. What if every school had a church that was committed to serving them? Wouldn't that be incredible? One thing I wanted to mention was we have a dream to be able to connect our resources to our needs. And so what we're going to be doing in, in the winter is we're going to be having what's called a resource portal. Imagine being at Kingstown campus and you get fluent in Arabic and somebody at Lincoln is, is serving a refugee family and they need an Arabic translator. We're able to connect the dots between the two. Imagine being able to go on and do that. Wouldn't that be incredible? Yeah. So we're going to connect more resources and more needs. Pay attention to the, the resource portal. NCC also has over 150 partners in our cities around the world, partners connected to the local church that share a common DNA, are preaching the gospel in word and deed in the darkest places of the world, the most dangerous places in the world. So what we wanted to do is we want to be able to connect you. I think we have a demo. Uh, we wanted to create more of an interactive map for you to be able to show you where we are, what we're doing, how we're connected to it. And so um, what we do is you just show up at, at uh, map.a18.org. It's on our website and they're zooming in. Now you see the entire DC area and you can go ahead and you can just click on one of these. One of our stars is our key partners. That's going to pop up. You've got the Dream Center and you can scroll down. You can hover over the causes that we're engaged in as a church, both uh, globally and locally. And uh, you can click on learn more and you can scroll down and you can find out more information about how we're involved, some of the stories, the vision that we have for the future. And then you're going to zoom back out and uh, I'm just going to show you that you can select based on cause and it's going to highlight those, be able to identify that, whether it's through poverty uh, or other areas that we're committed to like peacemaking. And then zoom in, it's just going to highlight a mission team that we're involved in. Right there, Iraqi Kurdistan. Awesome, isn't it cool? Yeah. Can I just encourage you to go ahead and check it out this week sometime just to see all of the ways that we're engaged. Another way that you can be involved is through our mission teams. We've got over 30 plus mission teams going all over the world and, and hey, here's the thing, we go as students, not saviors, right? It's actually not short-term missions. It's really long-term relationships, ways in which we can be engaged. Places like DR Congo, where I went this past summer with our team that's gone for seven years in a row. And they've begun building relationships with Pastor Jeremiah. That's just incredible vision. And uh, just a country that's been torn apart by war, but has incredible resilience. And I asked Pastor Jeremiah, I said, hey, how do you do this? And he says, well, it's pretty simple. The only thing that we can do really is pray. And so he gets up at 4.30 in the morning and he prays. And then his entire church, listen to this, his entire church gets together at 6.30 every single morning to pray. 
I think we actually have something to learn from them. And that's the way that we approach missions. So what you can do is just go online and check out all of our teams. Get some more information. Signing up doesn't commit you. It just allows you to find out more information. Let me close with this story. I really love our, our living room. Living room is our homeless ministry, and I just think it's a great title, isn't it? I mean, where do you feel most at home? Kick off your shoes when you walk into the living room. And so that's what we try to do is create space, relationship for our, our uh, homeless friends. And one of the person that I just really wanted to honor today is a man named Tim Ray. I met Tim kind of in an un- unlikely circumstance. It was three, three years ago. I was during the mission series. And I was wearing a hat one, one night. And one of the NCCer came up to me and said, hey, it's really cold out. It's November. Can I go ahead and take your hat and give it to a guy that I've seen on the street? And I said, what am I going to say? <laughs> he takes the hat. He goes. I don't think anything of it. A couple of months later, I'm in Ebenezer's in the morning, and I'm praying with a, a group of friends. And a guy walks in I'd never seen before. A couple of minutes later, I walk up to him and I say, hey, uh, how you doing? I'm Dave. What's your name? He said, my name's Tim. I said, how'd you you hear about this? I've never seen you before. And he said, well, it's crazy. A guy came up to me in November and he said, hey, I I borrowed a hat from my pastor and I wanted to give it to you. And so there's that. And I said, was the hat black? (laughs) And he said, yeah, I have it right here. I see. I was like, that's my hat. He starts crying. I start crying. And that's how, that's how we meet Tim. And so Tim starts getting involved. He's got so many different relationships at NCC. And uh, this past summer, Tim decides to get baptized. And so we go to the baptism by the bay. And if you were there this summer, it took 47 hours to get there. <laughs> and so I'm waiting in line just forever. And all of a sudden... On the rearview mirror, I see this guy booking down the street. I mean, it's like a couple of miles away still. And pretty soon I see it's Tim. And I said, Tim, what are you doing? He said, Pastor Dave, I got to get baptized. And he's running. He's racing to go get baptized. That's what this is about. New life in Christ. Now the story doesn't end there. Uh, several weeks ago, uh, Pastor Terrence uh, received word from a family member that early that morning, Tim Ray had passed away. And we're just began to pass around our staff. We had a meeting that morning, and sniffles turns into crying, turns into weeping. Our just staff begins to just feel this moment, and so I'm there, I just kind of have this picture in my head. Walks up to the pearly gates. And you saw Tim in that video. You know he didn't stand still. And he walks up to his Savior, and his Savior says to him, Welcome home. So we're waiting to find out where the funeral is, find out that nobody can afford it. And so what we decided to do is have a funeral for Tim at Ebenezer's Coffee House. 150 people showed up. And word has traveled around the streets that NCC is a place where 
They do, home, uh, they do funerals for homeless people. So somebody said to me the other day, hey, what church do you go to? What kind of church is it? I thought for a second. I said, the kind of churches, the kind of church that does funerals for homeless people. Jesus says to love God and equally love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. We just ask that you would bless us. I don't know what, what word or moment or thought, maybe that just kind of sits in people's hearts and spirits. But what we do know is you have such a heart. You are a father to the fatherless to the widow, to the orphan, to the easily despised and the readily left out. Father, I pray that you would soften this, these hearts. Father, we just come to you and our starting point, our posture is just repentance before you. We also pray that we would a church, be a church that continues to be on mission that continues to play offense, that continues to fight back against an enemy that wants to seek, kill, and destroy. So we submit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.